Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. This morning we have, uh, before I introduce our guest speaker, Gary Bird, we have a very special video just for Gary. Go ahead and roll that, please. Happy Father's Day! Happy Happy Father's Day, Day. Papa Gary! Happy Father's Day, love you. Hey Gary, just want to wish you Happy Father's Day. Um, Hope you have a great time out there. Appreciate all you're doing. I just want to say thank you for the man of God that you are, with the example that you are, for at least for me as a son-in-law and uh, as your two boys as well. Um, And then also, as I've said before many times, um, thank you for the example that you are for our kids, your grandkids. So uh, you you have been uh, a shining light for all of us to follow. So I just wish you a happy Father's Day and a great day. Hey, Dad, happy Father's Day. Um, I'm super thankful that they asked us to do this. Um, It's kind of like getting to be with you a little bit and making sure that you hear how much we love you and appreciate you. Um, And I would just say as your daughter, I thank you for living the life um, of what I was looking for in a husband and a dad for my own children. Um, You lived an amazing life and just were a great dad to me, even as a little girl. Um, And I thank you for that. Thank you for always making me feel special and important. Um, That's something that I've always treasured and I'll take with me forever. Thank you for living a life um, that sold out to God. Um, Thank you for being an example of that for my family as I um, created our own family with um, Jim. So we hope you have a great day. Miss you. Love you. Super proud of you. Um, Talk to you soon. Happy Father's Day. Hey, Papa, I just wanted to say Happy Father's Day and thank you for always being such a great role model for what a true man of God looks like for all of us grandchildren and your children, which are our parents, and um, always making such an effort to be there for us, whether it be sporting events or whether it be something school-related or outside school-related. It truly means a lot and didn't go unnoticed. We love you. I love you. Happy Father's Day. Father's Day, Papa. I just wanted to say I love and miss you, and as much as I wish you were here with us, it just means so much that you're out doing ministry. Thank you for the example that you set for our family. Love you so much. Hey, Papa. Just wanted to drop by and tell you Happy Father's Day, Um, and wanted to thank you for being such a great role model for our family and uh, for setting the example to always put Christ first in our life. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll be thinking of you today while I'm doing homework in my cave. I mean, your cave. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, I love you. Uh, Can't wait to see you. Be safe. Hi, Gary. Happy Father's Day. I am so glad to be able to share with you today. I wish we were together, but I want you to know I am so grateful for what you have done for our children and our grandchildren. Seems like you always have the right words and the time to speak into each and every one of us. I thank you that you've set the bar very high. You're a godly man, and we appreciate and love you so much. When I realized that Gary was coming on Father's Day, I thought, you know, it would be a great opportunity just to surprise him. And so many times when you're traveling as he does, you miss days like this, a lot of days like this. And it's just a special way for his family to connect and let him know how much you love him. And I couldn't think of a better introduction. Would you welcome with me this morning Gary Bird, missionary to Mission M25 to the United States of America. You're awesome, man. Wow. I hope I can get my composure. 
Thank you so much. Um, I do miss my my family, and uh, it's a it was a, a fun thing unpacking my luggage today, the last night and the night before. Carolyn had little birth, Happy Father's Day cards at different places in my luggage, and so uh, thank you so much. It's a, a privilege to be here with you today. Uh, yes, I'd love to be with my family, but I love being here. I love the privilege I have to speak to uh, this church, what this church means to us, um, the joy and uh, love that we feel from your pastors, uh, Steve and Yvonne, and uh, some of you others I, I won't mention right now, but I'm, I want you to know we certainly love you and uh, are thankful for the opportunity. Before I show the video, I just wanted to say um, our ministry is a lot of people don't understand us a lot. Um, because we're not missionaries. I've, I remember when we first started out with this concept of a biker missionary in our movement, they really was some disturbance because they thought, well, they're going to get you confused with the real missionaries. That was the statement they made to us. And, you know, the, the fact is, is that um, we need some missionaries here in the United States. The United States is the th third most needed nation for missionaries uh, in the world. And so uh, it's with a, really a great big thank you for a church that, th that receives that and not only just says it, not only has me come once a year, but, and friends, but supports us financially. We, we really appreciate that. Yesterday we got to, well, actually Friday I jumped on a motorcycle that was donated through this ministry to us. And uh, I know people think that's crazy because I'm, I only have six of them. So they, they think, well, that's crazy to need another motorcycle. But the deal is, is in 2014, I quit buying motorcycles and said, God, I can't continue going in debt for motorcycles. And uh, so being able to stretch them out, I'll ride one for a while and then ride another one. And, you know, they've all got a lot of miles on them or a lot of years. And uh, one of them is my 1982 model. And I don't get that baby out on the road because <laughs> uh, she, she carried me across the country for a long time. I did probably 100,000 miles on that 82. And she's uh, got an old shovel head, which you have to repair. You have to rebuild every 30 to 40,000 miles. So she's been through many times. And uh, she needs, she's just something that I look at and ride on play day. So, but I use these other motorcycles like this one that I picked up today, or yes, this week, and is, was going to be used for a guy that lives in Germany that was flying over here uh, supposedly uh, this month before we had to postpone it to 2021. And he was going to ride across the United States for the Jews and for Israel. And I was going to provide him a bike. And so that's what I do. We provide a lot of bikes for people. And so it's not just for my personal use. So thank you so much for your giving. And what we do is we try to reach the Samaritans. And, and the way I try to explain that, you know, there's the Jews. When Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8 that you'll be a um, witness, a martyr 
for those in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem, and the way I've defined it for 30 years now, is Jerusalem is those that are your family and friends, those that are, uh, that will cotton up to you, you know, they're okay with it. And then you've got Judea, which is those that are not resistant. You know, if you have a, a big event at the church, they're going to come to the church. They'll eat your free hamburgers and hot dogs, in other words, and they'll, they'll come to your special things that you put on. But the Samaritans are those that from the very best are resistant and to the very worst are hostile toward the gospel. And those are the ones that the church just, uh, by and large, the church in general, I'm not saying any one specific church, but the church in general don't know how to deal with those that are that will cuss you and that will threaten you and that will resist you and you know I, I could go through stories and how many times that I've been misunderstood and been threatened and uh, been, I mean I've actually left tables where two Jews was fighting over me sitting there and uh, they were just at each other uh, yelling and in Pennsylvania one time and I said listen I think I'm gonna go have breakfast with my wife <laughs> and I let them just yell at each other you know and those are the people that we've tried to reach and so I want to show you the video and how we attempt to do that would you please roll the video for us and leave my microphone up so I can do a little talking as we go along and I'm playing a secular song behind it but if you'll do the research I've on this song, talk with you it's very prophetic. It has a lot of prophecy because in it. A soft Even though it was written by heathens. <laughs> we did the March for Life. How many of y'all pro-life in this house? Anybody? Yeah, we was able to speak on uh, down in Washington, D.C. this year. We marched. We actually led the march in Dallas on our motorcycles. And we're just so thankful for the support of President Trump for our uh, pro-life stand. Whatever we think about him, we're thankful that he stood with us in pro-life. Actually, the first president to ever step out there on stage for us. We have night's trainings. We do them across the nation. Corey Jones and I, uh, a missionary to the Native Americans from South Carolina, joined Montana Indian Ministries and Mission M25, and we've given over 90,000 pounds of food and water and Gatorade. And we've built 17 chicken coops and given them chickens, trying to help them. No food, no electricity no water on their at their homes we uh, were able to even though run for the wall was postponed or put off to next year we were able to go and be in Washington DC for Memorial Day weekend and what a blessing that was they're kind of changing the way they're doing it but they're still going to have free camp in Amarillo Texas I'm proud of that uh, they're very unique way of their they're putting it on and I think you recognize one of those pictures Pastor Yvonne we are still going to the Native American in July next month we'll be going up uh, July the 13th through the 24th and we'll be doing three kids camps and uh, hopefully do some ministry uh, on the reservation with Pastor Corey we're still doing uh, this year a combat hero bike build it's kind of on a low-key scale uh, but we're still doing it we're 
still giving a motorcycle away to some veteran who lost a limb in war. We have postponed all of our Jewish and Christian rides. One of them we were really looking forward to. We're going to get to go from Poland to Moscow. And we were really looking forward to that ride. We postponed it this week to next year. We're still doing make drought reaches. Matter of fact, I'll leave here and go to South Carolina, North Carolina, or to Belpre, Ohio. And there we'll have a meeting on Friday trying to help them put together a biker Sunday that will reach their community of bikers. Carol and I are still doing God's Learning Channels. If you have Roku, Roku you can uh, get that on your uh, uh, TV. It's a small little TV program out of uh, Midland, Texas. Odessa, Texas. And then we are still doing our diaper run. And uh, I think I'm going to, y'all. can y'all just throw the picture up there? Because uh, this one's going to go blank and I want to talk to you for just a minute. How many of y'all know during COVID when they've shut everything down, they've still decided that abortion clinics are essential? How many of y'all understand that? Uh, church wasn't essential. I'm not going to get too deep in this, Steve. But the church wasn't essential, but, a, but abortion clinics were essential. A lot of our elective surgeries, people who had needs that prior to COVID would have been operated on and fixed uh, so that they could live a better quality life, were put off during COVID. But the abortion clinics continued on. And I was asked about four weeks ago, Gary, are we still going to do the diaper run? And I said, I don't care if anybody else goes with me or not. I'm going to be sitting that saddle at six o'clock on Thursday morning, September the 17th in San Diego, California. And I'm going to come across the nation because I believe somebody has got to do something positive against the negativity in our country. How many of y'all hear what I'm saying? How many of y'all really believe that we got to put our mouth where, our, I mean, our, our actions where our mouth is? Come on, help me. Anybody in here? I, I, do y'all believe it's time that we put our actions where our mouth is? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you one more time because I'm setting you up. Am I setting them up? I'm setting you up. Say, Chris, say, he's setting us up. Because how many of you believe you ought to put your actions where your mouth is? I didn't get as many amens that time. <laughs> On September the 19th, somewhere around 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to be with a group of bikers sitting in your parking lot looking for some hot coffee. All right, how many? Uh, come on. 4 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, well, if you get out of bed, Rodney... I know it's going to be tough on you, bro, but I'm going to have been riding for 40-some hours. I will have left San Diego. We will stop somewhere at about the halfway point, roll a sleeping bag out, and sleep on the ground beside our motorcycles because we don't have, I'm not living in Dallas anymore. And last year, we got to sleep an hour and a half in Dallas. But this year, we're going to roll right on through, and we'll find some place to... Last, two years ago, we found a Dairy Queen 
that had a little courtyard to where it keep the dogs off of us. And we laid our, our uh, sleeping bags down in that little fenced area, kind of hoka hate it, and spit, slept a couple hours, got up and had one cup of coffee because you can't drink two and make it to the next gas stop. And so we drink one cup of coffee and get on the road and head out again because we believe that the church has got to be seen instead of just heard. We got to step out and do some things that the world can see. Amen? And I'm telling you, the Lord has used this thing greatly. We, I don't know that picture's gone now, but we raised, we raised 51000 almost $52,000 in cash last year and 200,000 baby wipes and diapers. The year before, it was around $25,000 and 350,000 baby wipes and diapers. Huh? Are you? Oh, I'm going to have, how many of y'all Pentecost? I'm almost going to have a Pentecost breakdown right here. <laughs> Pastor Steve just told me that he was going to have his little honey sitting in his bike July the 17th in San Diego, California. How many of y'all is going to really come out and support him now? All right. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you, Steve. I'm glad to hear that. And, uh, Yvonne, I'm so thankful that you repented. So, Steve, I want to tell you what. If, if she repented and was saying, yeah, go ahead, Steve. And kind of. Maybe you think there's hope for Hoka Hay in 2020? <laughs> Two? <laughs> yeah, I, I promised my wife I wouldn't do Hoka Hay again. Well, yeah, we're working on them. I want to talk to you fathers today. Is that all right? I, I do men's training. I teach nights. And it's one of the greatest joys of my life. I, if I told my wife, I've told several people, if I uh, could, that's all I would do. Uh, I, I love teaching men because we've lost the fatherhood in America. We've lost the manhood. You, you know, we've lost the father because we've lost the man. And we've, that's kind of what I want to deal with this morning. If you put the text up, would you do that? Um, Matthew, the 19th chapter. You know where I got inspired for this? It was while I was at Cal and Ann's house yesterday. I've seen a little picture. I took a picture of the picture. Uh, I'm not going to tell you where the picture was, but you'll recognize it when I give the scripture. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you it was in the, your bathroom. But, but it says then that people brought little children to Jesus for him to keep rolling here. I'm not going to turn to my Bible. I'm going to read with you up here. To place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Say that with me. Such as these. Come on, come on. You want, you're just sitting in your living room. Just say such as these. It's very important for us to understand that. Because, see, <laughs> my wife, all of us guys get together in my cave. You know, I, I was home working. Our house got flooded. And so I was at home working through COVID. The guys would come by and we'd sit around the table. And she'd go in after they'd leave. She said, you guys are just a bunch of little boys in big bodies. <laughs> you know? And I read that text yesterday. I was trying to figure out. I had a couple others that I was going to start off with this morning. And I thought, no, that's the perfect one. 
Because the kingdom of God belongs. The picture that you have is a little boy and a little girl out there by the water. With ducks, I think, in the water. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that adventurous. Let's check this out. Let's look. Let's dare. How many, how many of you guys, you dads, you men, how many of y'all put the little cape on? And you were Superman, huh? Did you do that? Yeah. How many of y'all ever played King of the Mountain? Did you take 32 hours of classes on how to be King of the Mountain? No, it's in us, isn't it? To be that daring, adventurous, risk taker. You know, my grandson, the one, the first grandson that talked, he and I got, I got the privilege of helping him buy his first car, 65 Mustang, and then I got to help him buy his first motorcycle. Now, don't say that all my help was, was here's the one that you can buy, all right? There was no money exchanged, all right? But I've got to be a part of it. And when I, I tried his motorcycle out on Wednesday of this week, or Tuesday of this week, I was out riding it, and I stopped after I'd ridden it about 10 miles. And I called him and I says, grandson, here's what you're going to have to do, Sean, is you're going to have to practice rolling it up, not rolling it down. Because it's one of those real fast Suzuki's and I don't want him wrapping it around a tree somewhere. And the, the whole point was, was I knew inside of him as mature acting as he is, as conscientious as he is, he's still a boy. And that fire inside, I can't drive one of those crotch rockets. I tried it once, and I stood it up doing 70 miles an hour on the interstate. And I said, I better not do this. I won't live long. And so, because I know me. I know that adrenaline junkie that lives inside of me. And I've released it. I don't, I don't try to keep it, uh, well, to a large degree. Yvonne, she really worked me over the other day. This, this bike that y'all gave me has a Screaming Eagle package on it. And it will run. And I says... That bike is going to get me some trouble. And she said, don't blame the bike. I tell you, Ann, there's just no comfort staying in their home. You know, no peace. And so I'm in this whole process of, God, there's something in me. But I learned that the church tries to squelch that, just like the disciples tried to rebuke the little children. We want to make boys never get dirty. We want to make boys behave well. We want to make the boys speak where the, the grandmas are not offended. We want everything about that man to become a behaved creature according to our concepts of Christian civilization. And when we do that, we kill that adventurous spirit in them. And we squelch it. I've been tempted. I'm going ahead and tell. I wasn't going to tell any stories this morning. I don't want to take that much time. But I'm going to tell this one. I remember when I was 15 years old, I'd been in three fist fights at youth camp. Now, how do you know that'll make everybody pray? I'm personally responsible for the spirituality of the people that were my counselors. I drove them to their knees. And I was, you know, I had been in these three fist fights. I went down to the altar and I prayed and I says, God, I love you. And I'm just weeping. And I, I mean, I love God. Yeah, I just wanted to hit people when they made me mad, you know. And so I'm down at the altar and I'm praying and this guy comes down and he puts his hand on me. And he says, Gary, if you really love Jesus, you'd turn the other cheek. 
Well, I really love Jesus. So I get back, my dad moved me to a new town. And I get this town, and this boy comes up. I'm not going through the whole story, but I end up walking this girl around uh, during the fair uh, with holding hands. I didn't know she was a cheerleader. I didn't know she had a boyfriend. I was new in town. Her boyfriend met me at a back street alley. Yeah. He said, I'm going to whip your... And you can imagine. And I said, I love Jesus. <laughs> I can't fight you. He said, I don't care who you love. And I really thought, Cal, I really thought that God was, go how many of y'all have heard those testimonies where the guy pulled the gun and it shot, wouldn't fire? How many of you heard those testimonies? I thought God is going to put a shield of protection. I've got, I'm quoting Psalms 91. God's going to protect me. I just knew he was going to thrunch and when he punched, he was going to hit a brick wall and I was going to go, praise God. I was going to give God glory. He knocked me clean out. I'd never been knocked out in my life before or since. And I'm laying down on the ground, and he's playing the drums on my face. How do I know that? Because I looked like it when I got up. And when I woke up, they were pulling him off of me, and he laid me open with a pair of pointed cowboy boots right across his cheek. And I said, God, if this is loving you, I'm done. And it took me about two years to get this thing resolved. Because I couldn't figure it out. Now, what would I have been like if at 15, somebody would have said, Gary, take that spirit that's in you and turn it to fight the evil of our country. That's it. Fight that which is right. Stand for that which is right. Well, maybe I could have got started with the uh, pro-life movement a lot sooner. Maybe I could have done some of the things I've done against the injustices of our country. Maybe I could have done that a lot sooner, Steve, if somebody would have told me how to fight instead of trying to fight out of me. And I believe that God needs to raise the fight back in some of the daddies in this place as men so that we can do that which is right. Come on, anybody in this household, some of you wives are probably a little nervous right now. But I'm telling you, we've got, and I just got to say, I was taking a shower last night and I was thinking about it, or yesterday morning, I was thinking about it. <laughs> it was always crazy to me. The girls went after the guys that was crazy, not the guys who lived it all right. There's something, there's something about that DNA that God created in us that's attractive when we operate in the right spirit. Now, I'm not talking about evil. Y'all do understand I'm not talking about evil. I'm not talking about going out there and fist fighting all the time. If I could have learned not to use this and use this a lot sooner... I believe that my life and those around me could have been a lot better. Does that make sense to anybody where I'm headed this morning? And I was thinking about it as we were singing that song. Let me make sure that I've got it down right. I, loved, I love worshiping with you, Pastor Tom. I love worshiping with you. It reminded me of my pastor back home, Pastor Greg. But he, but he sang this song, and he said, you are, I worship you, I give glory, I give praise, I give worship, because you're Jaira, Nisi, Shalom, because of who you are. I started to build the whole sermon about when Pastor Steve asked me to come and speak this Sunday, and I knew it was Father's Day. I started working, God, what would you have me to say? And I...
I built it, I started building it around Job the 38th chapter, verse 3. Stand up, square up, I'm fixing to talk to you like a man. And and that's where I was going with it. And then God started really revealing what that text was about. And I thought, wow, God, where are we at? And I realized today that sometimes, and for the most part, the church's image of the Trinity is a little askew. We don't understand who God is. He is our Jehovah Jireh. He is our Jehovah Nisi. He is our Jehovah Shalom. And there's so many other Jehovahs that he is. He's Elohim. I mean, we could go on for a long time talking about who he is. But if you would, please, let's take that big, beautiful ball that represents God. All of the, I, I heard a uh, rabbi once say that he was, he was like this multifaceted jewel that you just turn and you see him different colors. You know, you can take a beautiful diamond that's cut right and you see this different color and you see this different. I'm not against that he's Shalom and he's Nisi and he's Jaira. I worship God because he's that. But I want to turn that ball just a little bit and let's look at God just a little bit different this morning. He's also God the creator. He's God. He's not my buddy. He's not my Santa Claus. He's not the one that's going to make me happy all the time. He's God the creator. And and his wisdom is so greater than my wisdom. Anybody in here agree with that? Is God's wisdom greater than your wisdom? Then why the heck do we question him? Why? Job said, or God said to Job, come on, you're such a man, square up. I'm going to ask the questions and you're going to teach me, one translation says. He's slapping Job in the face. He spends four chapters slapping Job around. Before Job says, whoa, enough. (laughs) And he prays. Because Job had spent the previous chapters defending the pain in his life and questioning God's sovereignty and his injustice. He was saying, God, how can you be such a just God and allow me to suffer like I'm suffering? How can you be this merciful God and allow all of my children to be killed. I can't imagine that, Steve. I can't imagine all of my precious children that I just got to see. I can't imagine God wiping, allowing all of them to be wiped out by Satan's hand. Just to test me, Chris. Just to test me. And if he tells me beforehand that he's doing this to test me, I won't get the full effects of the test. If he tells me halfway through it, listen, Gary, if you'll just hang on a while, at the end of it, I'm going to bless you double. I'm going to take you to chapter 42. No, you've got to live through all of those chapters to get through 42. And we have somehow in this society felt that we have the right to question God. I want, I demand an answer. He's not your government. He's not even your pastor. He's God. And he's the one who has said this is the way it's going to be. 
I would love, my son texted me the other day and he says, Dad, I just texted him, I said, son, we want to be a peg on the wall for the glory of God to hang on. He says, Dad, I just want to be a peg for the family. He sees the need of the family tree being hung up there on that wall. Yeah, with all of that, he can't question what I do. I told him one time, he says, Dad, my opinion, I said, we all have them and then a lot of them don't count for nothing. We all have to our opinions. I don't understand COVID-19. I don't understand the turmoil our nation is in right now. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm not going to question God. And I'm going to know that God is still in the mess of all of this. I want to tell you God is still on the throne. He's still living there. And he's still expecting us to do what we've got. And by the way, while we're here, yeah, I've been moved by your testimony about the priest in Hawaii, I think it was. How many of y'all know that there are no great testimonies come out of the safe zone? There's no great testimonies coming out of being wise with everything. It is not wise. Jesus, man, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm going to go ahead and go there. John the, or, uh, yeah, John the 11th chapter, Jesus is going to go where Lazarus was. And the disciple says to him in the first few verses, says, man, they tried to kill you. And Jesus says, there's only 12 hours a day. I got to go do what I got to do. It's not, listen, playing this thing safe, you're going to end up living. Men, you're going to end up bored with life. I tell people all the time when I'm teaching men, there's no more exciting way to live than to live like I get to live. Because I get to live on the edge where God is stretching me and making me into something. Come on, anybody getting any of this? So it really boils down that we have to see a God as a creator we obey. Say that with me, obey. We don't question him. When I raised my kids, if I said no, no meant no. There was no compromise. There was no debate. They didn't question me. Why, Dad? Because if they did, there was certain parts of their body that was going to be inflicted with pain. You don't ask the old man why. And there's reasons why you don't ask me why. But I don't have to tell you those. You just do what I tell you to do. And if I catch you going to your mama, you're going to think you're next to the grave. And somehow, Pastor Steve, we've let that transfer. Have you noticed the parents that just say, well, because, or I'm giving you count five. I mean, my soul, we've transferred that right into our walk with God. I'll obey you when I understand you. My definition of obedience is moving without question. I don't question God. And I told my wife the other day, I said, honey, I know. I said, we, you've, we've been doing this thing now for 51 years. And I said, I've, I just move when I feel God telling me to do something. We do it. And I said, there's times I've missed it. And she goes, amen. I said, but you know what? I'd rather risk missing him by obedience than miss him by questioning. Does that make sense to you guys? And once you learn to obey that spirit that's within you, then you've got to see Jesus a little different. Jesus, don't we make him out to be the man that's great for shampoo commercials? Uh, don't, he's this pretty little guy, huh? Yeah, 
he's, he's just this guy that's so gentle and so meek and so sweet. And just come to Jesus. Jesus loves you. But I was reading in John the 11th chapter this past week, and I got to that 34th verse, or 33rd verse, no, 34th verse, and it says he's standing at the grave of Lazarus, and he groaned in his spirit. And I thought, wow, and I looked at other translations and said he was troubled in his spirit, or he was restless in his spirit. And I thought, what does that word really mean? And when I looked it up in the Strong's Concordance, because I'm not educated, I have to go, you know, to a Strong's Concordance. I don't know Greek or Hebrew. And so I go there and I look it up. And you know what the first words for that word groaned is? Snorted in anger. Yeah. Jesus looked at it and went, how dare you? And we don't see that in Jesus. We see him weeping in 35th verse. How many of y'all rememberized John eleven thirty five. 35, when you did the Bible drills. Yeah, we did Bible drills in Sunday school, and I, always knew, I was the first one to quote John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. That's the one we focus on. We focus on this broken Jesus. We don't see this Jesus that was angry. We don't see this Jesus that was mad because that there his friend had been taken by the captivity of the curse of death that was put on man in the Garden of Eden. He was beginning his fight against death, hell, and the grave right there standing on that in front of that tomb. I'm angry with this thing, and we're going to do something about it. When is a church going to get angry enough that we do something about the way sin has captivated our nation and is running our nation? Come on, oh, come on. Am I preaching in the Am I doing Spanish or English? Y'all's looking at me like I, I'm, I, you don't even understand me. Listen, we've got to get angry about this stuff. There's got to be a fight that rises in us. There's got to be some passion. There's got to be some, and passion to me is that thing that those strong feelings driven by deep convictions. See, I have a deep conviction that abortion's wrong. That's why I will get on that motorcycle and ride across this country because a conviction drives me, not the love of riding a motorcycle, not so that people will say, look at that. It's because I have a conviction. There's got to be something that I'm angry. I'm angry not just because mamas are having memories, not just because babies are dying, because my God's name is being defamed. I'm tired of God's sovereignty and his creation being destroyed. I'm tired of him putting the judgment of innocent blood in our hand and the church just look at it and say, well, isn't that a terrible thing? I'm tired of God's name being defamed. You worship God in here. And it's glorious. That's what we're supposed to do. But when we leave here, we've got to live for him out there and stand for his kingdom and what's right and what's wrong and be a part of the fix in this country. Not in negativity, but in positive actions. Doing something. General Chamberlain said during the Civil War when they asked him why he turned the fifth wheel, he said, I had the inability to do nothing. That's my motto. I have a family crest. And a, in Latin, it says above it, Posse in denial. And what that means is I have the inability to do nothing. I can't look at the wrong. I can't look at those Native Americans 
has no water or electricity scattered out across that reservation. I can't look at them and say, my, 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 somebody needs to help them. I can't look at them and say, my, 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 the government sure done them wrong. There's a fire that boils inside of me. We went in there in the height of COVID-19. We went in and they were scared to death of us because that, that reservation surpassed New York City in its per capita cases of COVID. And when I'm standing there and I put a mask on for their sake, I put that mask on and I'm handing them water and I'm handing them potatoes and I'm handing them rice and we deliver chickens to them and give them a hope that they can make their own way a little bit. Man, there's a, there's a blessing that rises inside of me because at that point I realize I'm worshiping God according to Romans the 12th chapter. I'm giving myself a living sacrifice so that they might find the hope. Is anybody following any of this this morning? So our vision of Jesus has to change. And then we have to change our vision of the Holy Spirit. Who is he? It wasn't until the 70s that I heard he was a gentleman. I'm old Pentecostal. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm, I am the old Pentecostal boy. And when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I jumped and I shouted. And we had people that would jump and shout and run around and charismatic renewal come by. And they said, oh, he's a gentleman. He ain't going to do that to you. And he's going to just be real sweet. I want to tell you, this sweet Holy Spirit, if you follow him, will lead you into dangerous places. He did Jesus in John the 11th chapter, as I said, didn't he? See, we don't, we don't wrap our head around it. We say, well, the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom. I'm, I, I can't tell you, Cal, how many times I've been told that since COVID-19 hit. I've received phone calls from people above me. Just, just remember, use wisdom. And then I get this priest story, and you messed all of that up. What kind of wisdom was that? What kind of wisdom are we using? Or are we being led by... Now, I'm not talking about being stupid. I hope you understand that. I did put the mask on. I'm not talking about being totally stupid, but I'm telling you, God's got to call some of you men out where you're a risk taker. You're looking for something. Our heads are to be on a swivel. God, what can I do to fix the problems in America? How can I stand? Not, no, I don't need any more mouth, and we don't need any more posts on Facebook. That's a coward's way. If you ain't got the guts to stand, look me in the face. I, I don't, I, and I said it yesterday, and I apologize if I hurt anybody's feelings, but I don't like tracks. I believe tracks is a coward's way. I can lay a hand you a track and walk off, and I don't ever have to sit and look at you. I believe we are to be men. And we are to look somebody in the eye, and we are to be able to engage them in conversation, and that conversation are to lead them somewhere to the hope of, that's in Jesus Christ. Are y'all with me so far? That Holy Spirit that is within us, He is in there to lead us into those places where it's going to be a little risky. I live in a risky neighborhood. Had a bullet hole in the front window from a drive-by shooting. 
Mike, I am in a location where we hear gunfire on a regular basis. I'm in a neighborhood where you don't put anything out in the yard if you want to keep it. I'm in the neighborhood where it is risky to live. And people said, I can't believe you live in that place. But if those people that I want to reach can live in it, bless God I can live in it. When I went to Mexico and to Juarez during the height of the time when they were killing so many people down in Juarez, had one of our friends that was killed in Juarez for witnessing. And they said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going into Juarez. I've got a pastor down there. I've got to go check on. They said, don't you know it's dangerous? I said, dude, if he can live in it, I can visit it. The whole point is, is there's got to be in men that risk factor. Quit spending all of your time and energy seeing how fast you can make a car run or a motorcycle run, how big of a fish you can catch or how big of a deer you can kill. What in the world would this country be like if we spent half of the money, men, come on, come on, men, if we spent half of the money advancing the cause of God that we spend on our hobbies and our fun and the things that lets that spirit out in us, if we spend it for the kingdom. Come on, anybody? Am I doing all right, Steve? We spend so much money, so much of our talent, so much of our energy, everything about us trying to prove that we're a man by how fast we can go. How big, how much money I can make. You know why I know all of those, Ian? Because I lived every one of them. I was going to be the softball star of the city because I had teams vying for me to play their shortstop position. I was going to be the richest guy, man. I was making money. I, was, I got up to 250000 a year, and I was well on my way. I mean, I'm, God, this is where I'm going. That was back when 250000 was something. You know, now it's just jump change, I guess, for some. But I was, man, I, I've tried that. I tried having the fastest motorcycle. I, I bought a motocross bike that would outrun the rest of them because I was going to be the best because nobody taught me nobody and you know what I found there ain't no books out there much John Eldridge does a pretty good job but there's some book we need to start reading some material that'll release that spirit in us that we can make a difference somebody smile at me would you I'm scared to death up here I'd rather go into a bar and t- sometimes than in church. <laughs> yeah, you come and smile at me, Chris. There you go. Now I'm going to end with this. What does it take? You said it yesterday, Rodney. I think it was around the dinner table or at the, the table we could only have one cookie. <laughs> I'm having fun. I don't know if you are or not, but it's really fun for me. But you said the Holy Spirit will teach us all things that we need to know. How many of you believe that Bible verse? We don't need 15 books to define the Scripture. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to us. And here's what I want to tell you in closing. I was asked, so you're letting your hair grow. Uh, thank you for being observant. Uh, about a year ago, 
I went in my wife one day and I said, honey, I, I, I can't cut my hair. And she said, why? And I said, oh, no. In my heart, I just, I just, I'm feeling that I can't cut my hair. And she said, well, whatever. The other day she said, doggone, it's getting longer than mine. And I'm not telling you she's happy with it. Um, but I said, I can't cut it. And then I get to um, my devotion in February, and I read Acts, the 18th chapter, the 18th verse. What does it say? Yeah, that was the same way. Didn't even know it was in there. Read over it a hundred times, at least. Acts 18, 18 said, and Paul cut his hair. I said, God, why would you put that in there? Of all of the beautiful stuff you can put in Scripture, and Paul cut his hair. Big deal. And I got to reading, and I thought the Nazarite vow was something that you took lifelong, like Samson and John the Baptist. Wow. And the Lord began to deal with me. Gary, you're at the last season of your life. I'm on the end run of this thing. I'll be 69 this year. I don't know how long I'll be able to travel 50 hours on a motorcycle one way. I don't know how long that's all going to last. But I want to finish well. I don't want to sit on the sidelines. So I said, God, I'm going to tell you, whatever this means, I'm going to set myself apart. Well, I had a meeting with a, a pastor or a bishop, and he says, oh, man, it's been years since I've done a Nazareth vow. He said, let me send you the teaching I got on it. So he sent me this teaching, and you can do them for short terms. And you, he said, be sure and define. So I defined three things. I'm not going to tell you the last two, but the first one was, was I want to finish well. And the other two is personal. And so I said, God, that's why I'm going to grow my hair. And then COVID-19 hit. And I'm sitting in a little RV down in the middle of nowhere in South Carolina on the backside of a, it, it, a lot like y'all's place. You know, it's, you, you drive back to it and you got the lake back there. That's where I'm going to sleep tonight, by the way. But anyhow, go, go back there. And I was all by myself for several days. And the Lord took me to the children of Israel, crossing the, promise, the river into the promised land. They would have been in bondage for 400 years, where we've been in prosperity for 400. They didn't have a clue how to build a civilization. Obviously, we're screwing this one all up. And he told them, he says, consecrate yourself and build an altar to remind you that I brought you here and that I'm going to be with you the entire journey. Is that what he said? So when I look at my hair, this morning I was shampooing it and the tangles was trying to get the tangles and it was pulling and I was going, ah! standing in that shower, that water running over me, pulling the tangles out of my hair 
and I'm saying, God, I've consecrated myself to a new level, and I'm not going to get the, the, in this world entangle me again. I'm going to stay free from the entanglement and the snares of our adversary, who is very deceitful and the father of all lies. I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to let him deceive me and wrap me up again. I'm going to live free in the Holy Spirit of all the fears and all of the frustrations. I'm going to walk in the shalom of God, if you will. If you understand this, then you can understand my long hair. I'm reaching into the mirror and I, or I reach down and grab the comb and I'm combing this mess. And I can't. I, when I comb it down, I can't see. When I comb it back, it don't go right. And I'm sitting there with all of the frustration and I'm thinking about I've got to ride over there in the motorcycle and it's going to blow everywhere in the world. And what am I going to look like when I get on Facebook Live? <laughs> Not that I care so much about y'all. <laughs> But every time that happens, no matter what this country's going through, I look at this long hair and I say, God, I've set myself to part to a new level. And you promised me in Jeremiah 33, 3, that if I would call on you, you would show me the hidden secret things. And the beautiful thing about Jeremiah 33, 3, he's in captivity at the point that he's speaking that into him. And I'm saying, God, I believe, Rodney, I believe that God's going to give us the secret messages. He's going to give us the hidden things, the things that the big cats don't get because they're wrapped up in this big stuff. We're going to hear the truths of God and there is going to be, according to Isaiah, Isaiah, there is going to be a remnant that's going to come out of this thing and they're going to be pure and they're going to be bright and they're going to be strong and they're going to be warriors and they're going to take the land that God has intended for us to take. Anybody in this house, say amen with me. That's why I've got long hair. Because I need to be reminded every once in a while I'm just a human being. I'm flesh and blood. And he knows how apt I am to fail him. I've failed him more times than I can say grace over. But he's never failed me, Pastor Steve. He's never let me down. In the ditches when I made some of those stupid mistakes as teenager, did things. If I could just wrap up about two hours. I've laid so many times in bed and thought if I could just take back two hours of accumulative time from my 69 years of living, I wouldn't have some of the horrible dreams I have and the nightmares I have but God was faithful in the middle of those two hours. He never left me. How many of y'all glad about that? You need to do something. I tell people all the time, don't grow your hair out because I grow my hair out. But you need to do something that will identify that every time you look in the mirror, put a piece of jewelry on. Put something on your body. I'm not talking about a tattoo here. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about let's do something that identifies I have set myself apart to a new level. Does that make any sense to anybody in the house? That, church, is my cry for the man today and the woman. Yvonne and Carolyn are two of the greatest warriors that I know. Carolyn comes out, she's reading a book right now on women living bravely. And she challenges me. Because there's got, we've got to have people, men and women, but today's Father's Day. We've got to have men that see that they're not so smart that they can question God. And then it's okay to get mad about a few things because Jesus did. He just never sinned. He did something positive. Every time Jesus got mad, he done something positive. 
And that's what we've got to do. And lastly, we've got to let the Holy Spirit lead us. We've got to be led by the Spirit. There's nobody from the White House to the governor's house to the mayor's house and even to us minister's house that knows what 2021 is going to look like. Holy Spirit, you process that in our hearts. Would you stand with me? <clears throat> when a word comes forth, we have the responsibility to judge it, to sense God where God's at with it. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know exactly what the man was saying at this point. My head was in my message, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to process it and see what the Lord would want me to know. But here's what I want to end with this morning. I want the men first, but if any of you men would like to dedicate yourself, consecrate yourself to a new level. Man, I've been doing this thing since I was nine years old. So 60 years I've been trying my best. Even in my weakest moments, I still had a heart. I've tried to please the Lord. But at 68 years old, I says, God, I recognize a need for a new level of consecration because I don't know what the future holds for us. And I believe you're going to have to have voices that can help those that aren't in touch with you. Maybe you men, you're going to have to give some direction to your families. I get thank yous from my family that thanks me for living a life and for even though they don't like it that I'm gone my, my boys don't like it they're thankful that I live the life in front of them here's the point men do you need to wrench it up a notch even though I'm not calling you a sinner I'm not calling you a bad guy I'm just saying we're in a new era and we need a new anointing we need a new insight and whatever your devotion life was in 2019 is not going to cut it for 2020 we're going to have to wrench it up. I would just tell you another part of my Nazareth vow is I no longer listen to rock and roll music. I've cut that off in my life. Man, that was a big one for me, Steve. I loved listening to Phil Collins. I loved listening to a lot of those old guys. That radio, serious radio will go there and I go, oops, now I hit back over there. When God, I gotta, I'm, I'm focusing on you. Anybody want to join me down here? Can we do that? Anybody want to join me down here? I'm ready to wrench it up another notch. Guys, anybody? Come on down if you're going. To, I'm not going to baby you and coddle you and beg you. Come on, just stand here with Pastor Steve. Face the congregation, men. Women don't, even the women aren't going to be offended if I don't call the women up, are they? I do what I do 
for God. And then right there. Because if that God don't move us, we ain't nothing. When I look at my grandbabies, God, I can't turn this world over to them. An old saying from the night's training is, is what kind of man is it that doesn't leave the world in a better place? Sir, I don't know about you, but this world isn't better than when I got here. And I want desperately to do all that I can. When I lay my head down in that casket, I'm going to know one thing. That I gave every ounce of energy I had to leave my grandbabies a better world. It's probably going to be, according to the Bible, it's going to be worse. But I'm going to do all that I can to establish the kingdom and make it something better for them. Amen? I want all of you that are standing out there to stretch your hand forth across these men. What would it be like if this group of men actually got wind of what I'm saying and started diverting some of their energies, more of their energies, to kingdom principles rather than selfish principles? Wonder what that would look like. What would a Tallahassee look like? What would the United States of America look like if we diverted more of our energy and our talents and our resources to the kingdom rather than to our self-sufficiency and self-provisions? What would this world look like? I know I'm radical, but man, that's, that's the way I live. You guys with me? Would you get both hands up? Would you do it? Let's surrender. Like, no, no, no. We're not going to do this one like we're receiving. We're going to do this one like we're surrendering. Get both hands up like somebody's got a 45 right in the small of your back. And say, God, this morning we are coming before you. We're surrendering to your will. We're surrendering to your way. We're surrendering, God, to whatever you say. We will not question you. Come on, guys. Are you, going to, are you saying that with me? We will not question you. We will obey. We will move without question. We will understand you're God and we're the created. And we obey the creator. We do what he says to do without hesitation. I submit myself. Come on. I surrender myself. I submit myself to this new level. Lord, I believe that I'm gonna, I've seen in you that it's okay to get mad. And I repent for the times that I saw the clutches of sin in my community and I didn't do anything positive to fight against it. And I'm believing, God, that you're going to open me up and I'm going to see Jesus in that anger and I'm going to learn how to do positive things in the midst of that anger, not just get mad and blow my top but get upset and do something positive come on church are you praying for them I believe God can inspire some ideas that Pastor Steve is going to be able to bless 
because you're going to hear from God and God's going to show you some things that you can do against the evils that are upon our country in so many ways. And Holy Spirit, now I lift my hands up to you and I finally say to you, I am at your beckoning. I'm not asking you to keep me safe. I'm not asking you to keep me from harm. I'm not asking, I, I believe Holy Spirit, I won't leave one minute before it's my time to go. But I am not going to sit over here on the seat of do nothing trying to use my gray matter when there's a world dying out there. And the Lord, I understand, folks, the Lord is looking for some heroes in this group. He's looking for some men who will step up and step out and do more positive. I'm not saying you're not doing anything. We're talking about a new level in the name of Jesus. Amen? We receive it, God. We receive it. Now, Lord, if there's anything that you could reveal to them, Lord, that they could do that would remind them daily. Lord, my old long hair reminds me more than daily. We need to be reminded, Lord. We need to be reminded of this covenant with you and this new level of consecration. Lord, whatever that altar looks like to them, let them build it so that they will remember that Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom is with them in this act. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Can you guys just give a hand of claps to these folks? We believe God's going to do something in their lives. Amen. Thank you, men. Thank you, men, for being godly men. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for allowing me to be here. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.